This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping can take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and I'm joined, as always, by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good, Adam. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Look, lots to get through this week. Some of the big stories happening around Australia, knee around the world. So we're going to take a look at what's been going on. A company called Newix, I don't know if you've been following that. They had their IPO last year, failed to meet expectations by a fair margin, it's fair to say, and now there's talk of insider trading. So we're going to take a look at that. We're getting closer to an agreed global minimum tax rate, which is exciting. I haven't worked out why it's exciting yet, Thomas. You're going to tell us why it's exciting. And Australia has not done well at all in a recent climate ranking. So it's time for us to lift our game, perhaps. But first, someone's offered to buy Sydney Airport. So that's good news. The only thing is, Sydney Airport wasn't for sale. (laughs) (laughs) Thomas, what's going on with Sydney Airport? Yeah, no, a bunch of infrastructure investors got together and said said that they wanted to buy it. Wanted, yeah, wanted to put it to shareholders to want to want you guys come and sell it to us, and they're offering an indicative price of eight twenty five a share. So they're saying it's around that mark. That's what they think it's worth. Hmm. The airport was trading at the close of Friday at five dollars eighty one. Um, yeah, so did a big jump Monday morning. So Monday today. Um, we're recording Monday night, so big jump Monday as people mm. realise that there's someone willing to pay that kind of money for it. Wow! So this is this would be considered a hostile takeover, no? Because they went direct to the shareholders. They didn't they didn't approach the board and say, "Hey, would you mind selling us the company? Are you interested in selling <laughs> us the company?" Yeah, not for sale, mate. I mean, I love a, I love a good hostile takeover. I, I just love yeah. the model. But imagine if it happened with your house. Imagine if someone came to your house, it's like, "We want to buy your house." Well, that's not for sale. But but we've we've talked to your kids. They're all yeah. on board. You got yeah. three kids. You're outvoted. Yeah. No. They're, they're, yeah. So they're, they're keen. There's. I mean, there's a lot of merger and acquisition activity going on at the moment. I mean, this one. This one's a kind of a good play. Like in in hindsight, you kind of want you kind of kick yourself. Think I kind of could have seen this coming. Like there's sort of two things going on. There's a there's a reopening play. So Sydney Airport travel's been you know the numbers have been down because of COVID. Obviously, mm. um, this happened in the week where the government announced that it was halving the immigration intake or the the number of the flights coming back into Australia. We're going to halve. So the, re- the re-entry numbers. So mm. that was obviously bad news for Sydney airports. So it comes at a bit of a time where the Sydney airports is copying blow after blow. And so I think the investors think like they believe in the asset and think like it's going to reopen at some point. We, things are going to get back to normal at some point. We can get in now and pick up a bargain. 
Mm. Um, and that's what that's what they're trying to do. The other thing is, it's a, it's, it's, a tra- it's a reopening play. It's also an infrastructure play. Uh, and you look at the big firms involved. So Q Super's involved. Unisuper already owns a fifteen percent stake. The offers sort of based on Unisuper staying involved. So it's a, a lot of your super funds, your sort of your long term money, your long hold plays, and the, and they love interest, infrastructure because it's slow and steady. And so it's both of those things going on. It's cheap. It's sort of getting like so. It was it was before COVID. It was trading at nine dollars a share. So even at eight twenty five, it's still at a discount. And that's before you sort of factor in all the money that's sloshing around in the world at the moment, looking mm. for looking for somewhere to end up. And so I think I think these guys are going. Now oh, this looks like a bargain. We, we're back that it's going to come back at some point. It's a it's a good time to get in now. It's not rocket science though. Like what's that? Right. Running an airport, <laughs> it's pretty close. <laughs> apart, apart from flying rockets, it's as close as no, you get. No, knowing that the, <laughs> knowing that an airport is going to bounce back. Like if you were like, well, I guess we're I guess we're done with air travel. That's the end of airports. It's not like I would hardly call yourself a visionary if you're thinking that someday soon the airports are going to reopen and we're going to start flying all around the place again. Yeah. So why like why isn't that already baked into the price? Like what's is the price down so much? Because they've obviously missed out on a lot of business. They've missed out mm, on a lot of mm. travel and whatever, and that's to be expected. Mm, mm. But it's not like they've got this inside scoop like, oh, I reckon, I reckon, you know, I reckon there's a chance that air travel is going to pick up again. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, yeah. It hardly seems like, like something that's flown under the radar, pardon the pun. Yeah, I guess it's, I guess it's sort of a rocky road from here to recovery and particularly with you know, COVID dragging on, the border closures dragging on. Hmm. So, like, it's a, it's a business that must be trading at a loss right now. I don't know. I have read that it's trading at a loss. Right. Um, the longer that goes on, the harder it gets. It starts to dig itself into a hole and it sort of has debts and debt repayments. And so that starts to impact the, the medium-term profitability because it has this sort of – it has to get over this COVID bump. And the COVID bump is looking bigger than we thought it was going to be. Because there's, there's been a lot of this kind of mergers and acquisitions going on. Ah, oh, it's a boom. It's a boom right now, merger acquisitions. Yeah, so I think Goldman Sachs, head of M&A, that's what merger and acquisitions is called, M&A. Marissa mm. Friand, I think is the name. Uh, it's an extraordinary year of activity and our senior people in the business can't remember anything like it. Yeah, so a record $148 billion worth of deals were announced in Australia and New Zealand in the first half of 2021. And that's about 2.6 times the five-year average of $58 million. Wow. Yes, and then 75% of deals are worth more than $1 billion. That compares with 54% normally worth more than a billion. And, yeah, and $18 billion worth of hostile deals compared to $1 billion over the previous five years five-year average 18 billion mm. worth of hostile takeovers as opposed to 1 billion five-year average five-year average yeah 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 so 18 times the, the normal normal number wow is that so is that because of all the all the money in the system or is that that's that's my take on it that's that's i mean yeah they, everyone's got, got money so everyone's right, got money just... capital capital super cheap mm. um yeah so go saying, buy some super, companies go yeah go buy some infrastructure Get me is this a, what they get, talk about? Is this when they talk about globalization? Is this is this happening? Is this what it is? Oh, uh, no. Like just big companies getting bigger by buying other kind of big companies to make super big companies? Uh, I don't think that. No, this isn't exactly. No, this is not like, not a case of that. So the, the, it is sometimes a takeover is something like that. But this is a bunch of. So there was a consortium of infrastructure investors mm. looking to get together to buy collectively buy a stake in the business and hold a stake in the business as part of a portfolio of infrastructure plays that they have. Have. Right. 
yeah, so that's, that's a slightly different sort of story. So what's the what's the what's the shareholder play here for me? Like, do I just invest in law firms that are facilitating these <laughs> mergers and acquisitions? Is that? <laughs> yeah, you can't go wrong there. I think. <laughs> Especially if there's like 18 times normal hostile takeovers. There's got to be lawyers in there, surely. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I think infrastructure, like I kind of, after this sort of story, I started looking at what infrastructure ETFs are around. Um, Like like Sydney Airport's the only airport that's publicly listed in Australia. Right. Like I was thinking like, like I was thinking this is a nice play in the sense of it's both a travel reopening play and a infrastructure play. And both Mm. of those are set to lift from here, particularly if you can get them cheap set for takeoff you might say well hey <laughs> this is where my thinking went today it's like oh, where, where else could where else might that mm. might that go i'm not and i'm not sure exactly and and an etf like there's some global etf global infrastructure etfs around but i don't know specifically about australia right i did have a quick look around at, at hostile takeovers and what you can do if you don't want your company <laughs> to be taken over. And they've given some names to some of the hostile takeover defences, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. There's the Pac-Man defence, which is uh, the target company purchasing shares of the acquiring company and then attempting a takeover of their own. So, oh, okay. okay. So, <laughs> I thought it was they just as one away. company is eating you, you're kind of eating the other company and you just end up with shares again in your own company. Um there's the golden parachute defense, which is where you just create an employment contract that guarantees expensive benefits be paid to key management mm-hmm. if they are removed from the company following a takeover. So basically, if you come in and take us over, then you're going to have to pay all the execs a heap of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it makes it prohibitively expensive. You know, it's no surprise that that could possibly get voted up at, at the next board meeting. <laughs> it's like <laughs> this company wants to take us over. What if we just put on the table that we get paid heaps if they do? Shareholders just be like, I'm not sure that you guys are invested in not selling this company. <laughs> and then there's the Crown Jewels defence, which yeah. um, funny name. It, it conjures up images of of Euro 2020. To be honest, with all the <laughs> soccer defenders standing in a row. Which is selling the most valuable parts of the company in the event of a hostile takeover attempt just to make mm. the, like, just sell all your IP, sell all your intellectual mm. property and then go, well, we got nothing. Or the, the runways <laughs> in this case. The runways. <laughs> just left with some duty free shops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you've got, congratulations, you've taken over a mall. <laughs> uh, speaking of companies, big company news this week was Newix, who was a, the talk of the town about a year ago when they, did their IPO, held their IPO, to much fanfare, uh, the share price went up, everyone was cheering. Then it's come out this year that their forecasts were slightly off, Thomas, um, mm. almost 50% off. Mm. What's going on at Newix? Yeah, this, this, this was front page in the financial press for most of last week, kind of a big story. It's got a lot of juicy elements going to it. One of the key reasons it sort of led with this allegations of insider trading against Newix's CFO, so Chief Financial mm-hmm. Officer, uh, and the allegation is that uh, he saw that they were going to hopelessly miss their <laughs> their profit forecasts, um, and so got his brother to sell off. Well, he previously sold a bunch of his Newix shares to his brother, and then got his brother to sell them off. Made seventeen million or something like that. Quite, quite a lot of money. Right. So Newix is a Newix is like a big data platform. It's like um I think they're they're involved in, in 
any, anywhere where there's where there's big data. So um, they kind of take all that, they make it, they take that messy or unstructured data, they, they munge it all together, make it searchable, indexable. So they're really a big data player, which I can't help but think is how also they came unstuck. Like because it was it was like when they started selling those shares and doing those things, it was flagged with ASIC by by the ASIC market surveillance. I just love it if ASIC was a customer of Newix using their big data platform to identify <laughs> to, to identify some dodgy shares, some dodgy trades going on. Oh, that would be sweet. So right, so the insider trading that's that's never gonna. I mean, that's no, that's not decided, a, not, isn't it? Yeah, that's still a bit. That's the allegation. So, right. so that that sort of came to light. But then, as part of that, it, it sort of emerged that that ASIC is also looking into whether the sort of the financial statements leading into the IPO were misleading mm. or deliberate, yeah, deliberately misleading. Right, and that's a, that's a bit of a bombshell. So then that, and it's it's a bombshell because it sort of it starts to blow back on a few of the big names. So the people involved. Were in, like Macquarie and Morgan Stanley, Price Waterhouse Coopers was the auditors that signed off on it all. Mm. Macquarie owned seventy six percent of Newix before the float, and then sold off sold off it all after the IPO when the share price boomed, and they raked right. in five hundred and eighty six point seven million. Handy, uh, yeah, tight as small change for those guys. But <laughs> that, yeah, so now there's a few more people with egg on their faces. Like it's not just contained to Newix anymore, and then it's starting to blow back on some of the big investment banks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and ASICs announced that they're looking into it and that sort of come to light. So there's sort of two separate things going on. One is that is this insider trading and, and sort of the idea that, it, that people knew well ahead of time that, that they, they were going to miss their forecasts, that it was nothing like, just weren't realistic. There's a quote saying that from, from the CFO saying that we, we need, like an email to his staff saying we need to get better at forecasting. We have to come up with forecasts that are realistic. So we just keep... <laughs> just keep missing realistic in in whose reality though like in the reality of what we promised the the ipo and the shareholders yeah it was pretty pretty brutal like i think it it ipo'd at around six dollars it got up to around 12 in a few weeks after and then now it's down to about two or something so there's a lot of people been burnt pretty hard by it yeah wow is it i wonder though because they've still got a lot of customers and i read this article today saying that they're still adding customers they're growing at like 12 percent. so they just missed some upfront costs uh-huh. like they're now offering their kind of software as a service solution so they're missing out on the upfront but it's like a longer tail and they're growing like is it possible with all this negativity around it that it's actually a good time to buy oh you'd have to have you have to have pretty solid balls to do that i reckon because <laughs> <laughs> like they've, they've lost what about skill? a hunch thomas i'm going on a hunch <laughs> You got a hunch and a pair of balls. All, all you need is an investor. Well, I mean, yeah, they've, I mean, they've lost their CEO and their CFO over this. Mm. So there's big changes at the helm. Good, they were no good anyway. They're bad news. Yeah. <laughs> they clear it out. <laughs> clear it, clear it the out. Techies back involved. Get them yeah. back in charge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about about their business and and all that and mm. i guess it's and it still leaves the question is like how much can you trust their data if they've had all these problems with forecasting revenue and growth <laughs> or knowing what their data is like and then they see within they're, they're a data, data platform <laughs> they're a data platform who aren't very good at data like that's, that's well good. if you're really good at data though you can make the data say whatever you want it to say oh. so i don't know i'm not saying buy i'm not saying it's a mm. buy it's just on my watch list all right yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, in the in the sense of like markets tend to overreact typically, mm. and they've they've had a ton of bad press in the last couple of weeks. 
that, you know, it's quite possible if there's a decent business under there and if mm. you, you trusted that, then good chance it would come back. I mean, mm. yeah, $2 and the initial IPO at 6 and, yeah, it's, it's definitely in, the, in, in bargain, bargain basement territory. Mm. I went over to their website. They've got a... The front page of their website says, Newix, find truth in a digital world. <laughs> it's kind of ironic <laughs> given what's happening at the moment. All right, let's uh, pause there for a quick break. We'll take a word from this week's sponsor and be back with more Comedian versus Economist after this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us on Comedian versus Economist. Don't forget, you can send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or head over to the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve or you can hit us up on Facebook or Instagram, CVE Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Thomas, I don't want to say I called it, but mm-hmm. I think I did. Mm-hmm. It was one of us anyway. I can't remember which one. But one of us predicted the coming global tax rate. So mm. it's it's here just about the the mm. OECD has kind of got together and they've said yeah we reckon it's a good idea they've come up with a number mm-hmm. global tax rate flat rate fifteen percent across the world except for some countries what's going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it, not yeah we shouldn't we shouldn't. Under, undersell this achievement. It's, it's a big achievement to get that many countries on board around a single idea. Um, mm. So most, pretty much all of the OECD, apart from three countries, signed up for this this idea of a, of a minimum tax floor for for business of fifteen. The OECD. Before we get into it, the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. I had no idea. I've heard of the OECD uh, yeah, like yeah. a lot when we were looking at it before, and I'm like, it's come from some some mob called the Organization for Economic <laughs> Cooperation and Development. You're like, yeah, that's the OECD. I'm like, right, that makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Totalizer Agency Board, the TAB. Oh, the TAB. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Acronyms with comedian versus economist. Um, yeah, so they've come up with this. Ireland, I think it was, was it Ireland, Estonia, and Hungary refused to sign up? Was that the oh, three? Oh, there's a few. Yeah, there's oh, nine countries that. that oh, that, nine, is it? Ireland, Estonia, Hungary, Peru, Barbados, St. Vincent, which uh, is that even a country? And the Grenadines, Sri Lanka, Nigeria, and Kenya. So. This kind of, that doesn't that undermine the entire thing? If you've got you, you're working towards a global tax floor, a global mm. tax rate, and you go because isn't isn't the goal mm. everyone has to pay the same amount of tax? There's no more tax havens where you can hide mm. out and pay less tax. Yeah, yeah. If anyone, if any less than every country in the world sign up, then doesn't the whole thing kind of fall apart? Uh, to an extent, to an extent. But you can, I think, I think you can sort of patch it up a bit. In different ways, and I think there's also there's this idea of of taxing residents and ta- taxing point of sale, right? And so I think there's a sort of a push to move more towards taxing at the point of sale, regardless of where the where the company is domiciled. Okay, does that make sense? So it's like you know, so Facebook has lots of business here in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we tax them on that revenue, even though they're not an Australian company. Yeah, so to speak. Gotcha. Um, and I think that's that's part of the push. 
Yeah, and but no, this, it definitely does present some problems. I mean, particularly with Ireland and Estonia, like they're part of the EU, and for the EU to ratify this, it needs mm. unanimous support from the EU member states, right? For it to be to, be, to become EU policy. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know what that how that plays out diplomatically. I mean, Germany and France will probably put pressure on Ireland. Well, Ireland are already Ireland are at twelve point five percent, and they came out and they're like, oh, we can't go to fifteen. That's ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, I mean, they'd be worried, right? They got, they've got all these big tech companies still there. Yeah, they'd yeah. be worried that they'd all pack up and leave, or they because they go, well, we've got no reason to stay. We can just go. Well, that's anywhere. right. At fifteen percent, then it's like, well, where do you want to be? If you're not, if you're not, you're not sort of basing yourself somewhere for tax purposes, then then what are the deciding factors? It's probably access to to talent, access to cheap capital, mm. and, uh, supporting infrastructure. It becomes a very different consideration. I'm also pretty. Like, I'm not exactly leaping with joy that companies now have to pay 15% tax. Like, 15 isn't mm. much compared to the average The average taxpayer would would be stoked if we only had to pay 15% tax. Yeah, These companies yeah, yeah. have gone from paying not much, if any, mm. to we're talking now about maybe they might have to pay 15%. Where can I get me some, I guess, yeah. is the question. <laughs> You've got to become a global multinational, Adam. <laughs> Adam Enterprises. Right. Reddit, yeah. here I come. Yeah, I mean, fifteen percent is isn't a particularly ambitious target when you consider where uh, corporate tax rates have been in the developed world over the past century, and mm. the, and they've been on a long downward trend. Um, and even at fifteen percent, that's well below where most where they are in most nations. So you know, even the US, it's like in the twenty somewhere now. Um, Australia in the thirty. So. We're setting a floor that's already below where most nations are at. So there is this chance that, yeah, I think, you know, some people might worry about that it actually then you, you see that levelizes out, but the, a lot of countries then actually lower their tax rates and the, the tax, the tax ta- intake decreases potentially. Yeah, right. So if we're paying like the company tax rate in Australia is 30%, if mm. all of a sudden companies go, well, the global tax rate's 15%, so mm, mm, we're not mm. paying 30 anymore. And I think that's why it's 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 received such it's it's been able to get so many nations on board because <laughs> it's like yeah, man, hey, who wants whatever. a tax dodge? Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> sign up for that. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, no, I still, I still, I still think it's a net positive. Uh, there's also hurdles to jump through. The EU's got to sort of find a way to manage it. The US has to sort of get the republic. The, the Democrats have been pushing for it. But they've got to get the Republicans on board to some degree to get it through Congress. Mm. Yeah. So there's still there's still there's still challenges ahead, but. Yeah, strong, strong, strong first step, and and a shift, and a more importantly, I think it marks as a bit of a turning in the tide. Does it? Is it going to affect the markets much? Do you reckon? Like, is it going to? Is it going to have a, an effect there where people go, oh, profits going to be down because now we've got to pay more tax? I think. Uh, I think. Yeah, not not in the near term, and and there's so much sort of devil in the detail. So how mm. how it gets. You know, be- <laughs> Facebook's just going, aha, yes, by 15, I'll assume you mean zero. Yes, <laughs> we'll certainly pay 15. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, you, you build a better mousetrap, they build a better mouse, I think is how taxation works. So I think markets are waiting to see, see how, this, how, how this lands really and how, how, how serious it is. Um, mm. But yeah, I haven't seen anyone really fretting about it impacting on on the on profits too hard and share prices just yet like is i mean maybe there are people but i haven't i haven't seen it it mm. doesn't seem to be such a big drama at this stage all right well finally i want to talk about 
climate mm. and Australia's climate ranking. Australia has been ranked dead last, last place, Thomas, mm. for climate action in the Sustainable Development Report, which mm. assesses the progress of countries towards achieving the Sustainable Development Goals. Dead last. Mm. Disappointing. I paid out Switzerland and, and the Nordic countries last week. Guess where they are? Oh, what? Top, top, uh, top first. Ten? Yeah, first, just, course, just killing it. Yeah. Just overachievers. So why are we last? What? Yeah, I really thought we'd we'd get ahead of Chad this year. It's a bit disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, just because I I think the big things is that we don't have a commitment to net zero emissions by 2050 or 2060. I think that's the the big, one of the big factors in, in the ranking of climate action. Right. And we don't have a commitment to get there. We don't have a plan to get there. We don't really seem to have an intention to get there. So I think all those things let us down on the day. (laughs) It was tough for the judges to find points, to be honest. Like, you got no intention. Nah. No plan. Nah. We're really not not really thinking about it. Did we, did we talk about our COVID, our COVID response? It was first class. Oh, yeah? Gold standard. How's the vaccination going? Well, look. <laughs> a, few, look a few roadblocks. A few roadblocks there, but, you know, working through it. But climate's just not on the radar. I mean, it, it does reflect. I think it does, it does reflect, one, we're pretty lame when it comes to climate and mm. two we're seen to be very lame when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to climate <laughs> people are dishing out reports like this all the time sticking the boot into australia well whose report is it though we should if you've taught me anything on this show mm. it's that we shouldn't just believe these reports that pop up because they could be sanctioned by or paid for by industry mm. groups or whoever mm. else so who's who's who put the report together oh i think it was the un wasn't it <laughs> that's bad oh, yeah there's a hotbed of lefty lefty yeah. <laughs> Uh, right. Yeah. yeah, you don't. You don't know. I mean, the UN is a political organisation. So who knows what's going on behind the scenes? But I still think globally, the world feels like the world's moving on for, in terms of the climate debate. You know, we. Mm. I feel like Australia's sort of reticence to do anything about climate is we're increasingly isolated in that, and it's a, yeah, a bit embarrassing. But I think, mm. and I think, but it has practical con- consequences because other countries will have to fight carbon leakage and this idea that you can't import from a, a country that doesn't have a carbon tax, for example, mm. because it puts your domestic industries at a disadvantage. And so you have to tax them. And so exporters will pay a carbon tax somewhere. They'll either pay it to Australia's and Australia becomes Australian revenue, or they'll pay it to Germany when they when they export to Germany. Right. Yeah, that's how, that's how it has to sort of work. And yeah, so I think I don't know. Like I think I think so. so you're saying we're going to be dragged kicking and screaming into <laughs> climate pay, pay for climate action. I think so. And and right. and businesses kind of I think leading leading the way. And I think it's the government that's going to come last into this sort of story. Hmm. Regrettably, we um, did rank we did rank among the top three countries for exported greenhouse gas emissions per capita. So that's no, that's, that's a good result. <laughs> Podium finish. <laughs> Top three. Throngs. Just yeah. behind Qatar and Norway. So. Yeah, yeah, big oil exporters. Yeah. Mm. Again, no, not really the result we're looking for. That's Ch- that Chinese relationship's really hurting now. Is it? We, used to be, we used to be exporting steel and wool, <laughs> wine. Now we've had to resort to exporting <laughs> greenhouse gas, gas emissions. <laughs> and suffering. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon that might just about do us this week on Comedian versus Economist. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We will be back with more next week. We'd look forward to talking to you then. See you. 
Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs. Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.